For for those who've been paying attention in the Chattanooga area, there was a uh, uh, a head-on collision bus crash in uh, Meigs County uh, this week. I work uh, at uh, Blood Assurance, and uh, that's one of the things that's we were already like extremely low on just about all blood types, and so now this has just kicked that into panic mode. So if you can, we've extended our hours for our centers in the Chattanooga area, and we're going to be expending on Saturday on some days. Uh, you go to bloodassurance.org. Uh, you could call 800-962-0628 uh, to go ahead and get scheduled in. So we really appreciate it. We're needing pretty much all blood types, but if you're O positive or O negative, you guys are high need. So the is the O positive and the O negative, uh, are those like particular blood types? Isn't there one that can kind of fill in for any blood type? Yeah, both of them are considered a universal type. Now, O positive can go to about 75% of, uh, of the population. So anyone with a positive blood. So it could go to A pos, B pos, O pos, AB pos. But O negative, that's that's like the Captain America of blood. You've got super soldier serum because it can go to any positive or negative of any blood type. And so that's what we pack like uh for emergency, for trauma cases, right. what goes in those helicopters. When you don't know what you're dealing with, they grab that own egg. So those are also extremely low because they had to grab them because most kids don't know their blood type. Sure. So, you know, keep in mind, whatever blood type you happen to be, they are definitely going to be glad that you come down to see them and uh, and are not going to turn you away because you don't have the the Captain America of blood types. Yeah, because they'll they'll they will take Hawkeye as well as and I I should stop with all the Marvel stuff there, but uh, <laughs> yeah, but we're kind is, of a DC very, podcast here. Wait, wait, wait! I did not agree to that. <laughs> soccer chat with two T's because we're going to chat about soccer, but we're also in Chattanooga, so it's like a play on words, and you know Chattanooga is a soccer city. All right, everyone. Welcome to episode 25 of season two of Soccer Chat. Brought to you by the beautiful game network, BGN.FM, Roughneck Scarves, Icarus FC. Unofficially, still unofficially by Charlie's Barbecue, mostly because I just haven't like offered them a contract. I mean... You know, they throw me three free ribs every week. I would, I would pitch them no matter what. Um, but uh, here with Wolfman Jeff, and uh, we had our final game of the season this weekend. Was a very exciting one, a two-one win against Richmond. Jeff, what's your take on the game? Well, it was good. Uh, first of all, got a chance actually got to watch the match in a way match with you. Uh, we met at the Tap House, and there was a group of us. We were we were more than six feet apart, uh, but we were watching a muted TV and we we're kind of yelling at the screen. So everyone knew what we were there about. Uh, so we were, that that was that was nice to be able to kind of watch that as a group for the last hurrah. It was interesting going into it because um, our our fate was sealed going into it. We knew that there was nothing to play for in so far as getting into a championship. Um, kind of a tournament afterwards. But at the same time, I know Jimmy doesn't believe in um, uh, 
games that don't matter because each one of them mattered because we did have something to play for. And the thing we had to play for was keeping Richmond out of the playoffs. And uh, I got to say, we achieved our goal. Yeah. Um, you know, it was a very strong team. It was kind of one of the first times in quite a few games where we had really what was, I mean, barring the, you know, the players like Ami Pineda and Wally who were out with, with season ending injuries. It was really our first 11 as far as what we had, you know, the the Leo Ramos pairing in the back, Ricketts and Ricky on the wings, uh, putting in Greg Hurst and Ricardo Zacharias and Marky Hernandez uh, as the attackers. And so it really was our best foot forward uh, to go do what we needed to do to take out Richmond. And it was really surprising with Richmond, who had everything to play for uh, were the team that needed to win and their, you know, golden boot winner, leading goal scorer forward didn't start. And uh, especially the first 60 minutes of the game, they really seemed like they were perfectly happy to kick the ball around and play for a tie. Yeah, it kind of felt like that way. I'm not sure if they were like banking on the other teams to not win, but I was surprised that the kickers did not come out kicking uh because they had something they indeed had something to lose and so that was a bit strange that they came out so kind of it was like the first half was i'm gonna say anti-football but it was um it was almost like we're toying with it's like it's like two teams that never played each other and you're checking each other out but we played them already and we know where their strengths and weaknesses are so it didn't make sense either way but especially why was richmond so so non-aggressive in that first half. So in the, you know, they almost, you almost felt like they got away with it. Our, the first half was a lot like a lot of first halves we had uh, where we were taking the play to the other team. We had more shots, more shots on goal. I don't think Richmond had a shot on goal the entire first half. And, uh, but we couldn't, we couldn't get the finish. So lots yeah. of good opportunities. We couldn't get the finish. We went into halftime scoreless. And it was like, well, gosh, that that seems very familiar. And then Greg Hurst opened the scoring um, and then there was some um, not great marking. That got the game tied and then 93rd minute. Greg Hurst sends a ball across the face of goal and uh, old Marky Hernandez is coming the other direction and meets it and uh, legendary celebration of the whole team. <laughs> right in front of Richmond's bench. And we've talked a lot about manufactured rivalries. Um, you know, they're mostly going regional, just, you know, oh, we're the two people that are closest to each other, so we must be rivals. And the thing that Adam and I have talked a lot about is that, you know, the rivals are going to have to happen as the seasons go on. And so scoring a goal to knock your team out of the playoffs and those this is a family podcast so we won't fill in that blank come over <laughs> and celebrate right in front of our supporter section that's the sort of thing that creates a rivalry that you know those Richmond players come back next year and they remember and the fans remember and they get juiced and maybe they're looking to make travel plans to come down and uh, and watch the games in Chattanooga as well that's the stuff that really builds those rivalries. 
Well, I think the other thing that builds it is the fact that when they play in Chattanooga, we're wearing red with white, and then they're wearing white with red. And when we go to Richmond, uh, they're wearing red with white, and we're, we're and then we're wearing white with red. So they are the mirror universe for us. <laughs> and so all we need to do, I think, um, I think Mingle's got a head start this year, but the rest of the team needs to grow goatees next year, so that we could really embrace that mirror universe and uh, bring out the dark side <laughs> that definitely sounds okay to me <laughs> no it was it, you know i one of the thing I, I also noticed was different obviously um it you mentioned it was our basic 11 but there was a major change uh ricky started up as a forward this time and uh, uso got the start uh, as a wing back or uh left back slash wing back. Right. And so Ricky, who had been playing that position was there. And normally you would think if it was going to be our quote unquote, starting 11, it would be Ricky in Ucho's position and Marky uh, where Ricky was. Uh, we eventually did see uh, Marky come in. So we did see that, but it wasn't. Um, so that's what I'm thinking is because Ricky's skills it may be one of the things that created some opportunities for those shots on goals, mm -hmm. but we didn't have um, the right people there to finish those goals. Yeah, I think that's the case. And I think, I mean, I think we have an interview with Coach Obleda that we're, that we're putting out uh, later in the show here. And he talked about how it seemed like Marky really had a great role of coming off the bench like he did in this game and going at attackers that have been playing for 50, 60 minutes and are starting to get tired and wear down. Um, and the fatigue is causing them to lose that one moment of focus. Um, and so you wonder if, as they construct this team, they're looking for a way to let Marky be that super sub, the guy that's going to come in in the second half and do that. Um, and the players that they bring in to to play the the normal forward positions uh, can fill that role, and so and mm -hmm. it, I mean it worked. There's there's so much potential in what he does and the way that he brings that excitement off the bench whenever he gets the ball on his feet, uh, especially at home. You can just hear everyone. Oh man, here we go. What's going to happen? <laughs> what's what's it going to be? And uh, yeah. and sometimes it's almost too much. It's like you already beat him once. You don't need to beat him three more times. Just get the get the ball into the middle. Um, but yeah. it is just fun to watch and, uh, and exciting for him. Um, you know, the 93rd minutes, the same way Stephen Beattie scored in the 93rd minute against Richmond in Chattanooga. Um, and it was another for Markey. Uh, his other goal in the season was the one in North Texas, where we thought we were going to be giving up points to a team. We had outplayed most of the game. And shortly after, uh, kicking off, they they put that goal back in to tie it at two two. Um, so he scored really important goals for us this year. Uh, excited yeah. to see what's uh, what's going to happen with that. Yeah, when you need to open up a can of crazy, you bring in Marky Hernandez, and he he did start a lot, but I can see. I, I could see it go either way. Either he's going to continue to start as a winger, or. Is he going to be that impact player coming in at the 60, 70th minute to do again, just, just bring the crazy, just bring disruption because the, there's, he's so hard to play against. Yeah. And I mean, fingers crossed that, you know, over the off season, things get to a good point and 
we get a full season of something closer to like 28, 30 games, you may be able to kind of see him in a little bit of both roles, sometimes being the the super sub that comes off the bench and still occasionally getting a chance to start and uh, and try to make a, a broader impact on the game. So hopefully that'll happen. Um, any other thoughts that you had about this this final match uh, of the season against Richmond? Uh, yeah, well, I had kind of hoped, uh, I think a lot of us were hoping that we would get to see Tim uh, play, but then when we saw the uh, the sheet, Tim was on the injured list and was like, the guy hasn't played yet. So we were, I was surprised. I don't know what happened about the injury, but if he had been available, do you think coach would have put Tim in? I like to think he would, uh, if he had been available for, you know, the reasons that we had talked about, you know, there, I think all of us are pretty much of the opinion that Alex Mangles is most likely going to be moving on to championship. Uh, based on the way that he's played so well for Chattanooga these last two years. Um, I mean, I'll be I'll be doing cartwheels if it turns out that they're able to bring him back for another year, but I just I just don't expect that to happen. And so to give him a chance, Tim in a chance a chance in a game, uh, to prove what he can do and, and show um his potential, I think was really important. And so it had to have been some kind of uh, injury that he picked up something that they didn't want to risk putting him through a whole off season of rehab with a long-term injury, putting him out there uh, would be why they did that. So. Hmm. Yeah. That's the only thing I have left on the, it was uh, again, it was nice to win. Uh, anytime you get that last minute. And of course, when, when it goes the other way, it's so it's like a stab in the heart, but when you get yeah. to do the stabbing, it feels good. So. Yeah, uh, I mean, of all the things that that could have happened, it was a great way to end the season, you know, and and being able to to make a bunch of noise there in the bar uh, as they score that goal at the final minutes and and watch them get to to celebrate and rub it in the face of the the Richmond fans. It was a good feeling. Um, and so North Texas did their part coming from behind to beat Tormenta, and uh, unfortunately, the Baby Beckhams couldn't do their part and uh, come up with a victory against Omaha, which would have just been the dream scenario of us knocking out Richmond and Omaha also failing to make it and North Texas getting into the championship. But uh, tip your cap to Omaha. They they took care of their business and got themselves into the league final, which we found out this morning was not going to be played. So there's a whole yeah, we- segment that I just <laughs> uh, have to hit backspace on here about deciding what this game was going to look like. Uh, no, you don't need to do that because now we have a new topic. Uh, because uh, we, w- if we had uh, recorded this when we had planned earlier in the week, we would have talked about our expectations for the uh, championship predictions. But now we have a different uh, scenario where um, looks like that there were more players uh, this time on Omaha um, who had tested positive. I'm not sure if there were players or people in their group. And it wasn't announced that there were players, that there were staff, that there were family, but every team has X amount of people on their list, you know, that are in their bubble. And so, uh, there were several in their bubble that had tested positive for COVID-19 just before this. And, um, so they had to, um, go ahead and pull the plug and I know the initial reaction is, well, could you just wait until the COVID re- restrictions lift? But 
being at the end of the season, we're dealing with several other things in play, including uh, player contracts. Uh, they're they're signed. Often, uh, my understanding is that most USL players are signed for a one-year option. Um, and so some are multiples, but a lot of them are just for one year. Uh, so they're, you know, they'd have to renegotiate some stuff uh, for that. And I don't know what, what the situation was for, uh, for uh, uh, Greenville with, because they use a university, sorry, a, uh, a, um, an, an, an academy uh, field. And right. I'm not sure if that availability came into it, but I, I suspect it's probably has to do with the uh, contracts. That's what I would say. And I think the contract is, is less that. Well, yeah. So it's, it's when the end of that season comes, which I believe is, is at the end of October. So these contracts basically were for them to play with the team, you know, from the beginning of the league uh, preseason, which I think is somewhere around February, January, and it runs through the end of October. So the I think the regular scheduled League One season, we would have already had the League One final played sometime um, in these last couple weeks, and they would be going around making their decisions about the next year. So at the end of October, they they've got to have their decisions made. Um, you know, what I understand, and that's it's part of how a lot of these players got brought back, was most players were signed to a one-year contract with a team option. So the team last year exercised options on players like Connor Doyle and Josue Soto and Leo Fala and brought them back. And so they're going to have to make those decisions. And so you can't wait two more weeks. You know, Omaha can't, can't say uh, we're going to exercise the option on everyone. Uh, if that's not necessarily what they want to do, um, but they would pretty much have to in order to wait through the quarantine period and get a chance to play this game. Um, so I would say that's most likely why they weren't able to push that final back any later uh, and try to play the game. So, I mean, in the long run, I would put most of my money on Greenville to have won that game. Um, I think based on the high quality that they had and consistency throughout the year. I think this trophy is earned by them. It's deserved. Uh, so I don't feel like there was anything unjust. I'm bummed. It's, it's too bad for the guys in Omaha who, who did what they had to do to get themselves into the final. And now they don't get a chance to play for it. Uh, but I think overall um, saying that Greenville was the champion of this season is uh, is a pretty fair result. Yeah, well, yeah, there's no question with that. The only thing is, is for both of the teams, there's an asterisk. And as you mentioned for Omaha, there was that chance of that kind of lingering in the back of your head, woulda, coulda, shoulda, maybe this could have happened. But on the other end, for um, for the Triumph, they um, they are they clearly were the best team this year. So, yeah, there's no apprehension I have on, on claiming them as champions. But that asterisk will still be there. And that, and I know that Greenville very much wanted to just out and out win it. So it's not the scenario that they want, but it's uh, it's it's almost like this year is um, is just a horrible horrible year. Yeah, I mean you know being the sixteen game abbreviated season with all sorts <laughs> of other stuff, you know I. As far as asterisks, I think there's going to be asterisks no matter what, whether they got to play the final or not. Um, 
that was one of the one of the sports topics as things got started back on all the sports podcasts that I listened to where everyone talks about, oh, does this championship get an asterisk or not? And to me, it's sort of the same. Like, I don't think we need to get all asterisk happy with things. Uh, everyone that looks back at the records of USL League One champions is going to see 2020 and whoever the champion was. And this goes for pretty much any league. And they're going to be like, oh, yeah, 2020. That was an insane year. Just like when anyone looks at champions from somewhere between, you know, 1939 and 1946 and is like, oh, gosh, that's strange that so-and-so is a champion, or gosh, there weren't any games played in the English First Division from 1939 to 1945. What could have possibly been going on, you know? <laughs> if you, well, if you don't been... already know the answer to that, then you're probably not the sort of person who's looking up the list of past champions in the first place. Well, it has been, uh, we've all had to make uh, changes, adjustments, and sacrifices this year. We weren't able to have uh, the stadium completed like we had wanted. So there were some adjustments we had to make, and some of them weren't weren't, weren't real exciting. Um, I really feel for Ford Madison, though, because uh, we gave them a hard time about their about their field, but that's not the field they're supposed to play in. So they had to make a big change. And they went, what, 90 minutes away yeah. for every game. So we give you guys a hard time about all those crazy lines and the weird, bizarre field. But you guys went an hour and a half for every game. And so, but there's other leagues. Uh, I know uh, Nisa didn't get a chance to, to lay out how they did. They had to make adjustments constantly. We had some changes last minute uh, when uh, Toronto pulled out. So... You know, all in all, it's just been a um, trying to. It's like the. It's like the. Sh it's like the last show, and the uh, and the creditors are taking away uh, the uh, the stadium, not the stadium, but uh, the uh, props and so forth, or the you know, or, or to pack them up for the next show while you're still performing and trying to get ready for the next one, but still trying to entertain the crowd. So it's that weird kind of juggling act that uh, I think USL was able to pull off. But I'm still left with thinking what could have happened if we had the best case scenario. So, but uh, hopefully next year will look very different. Yeah, I, I hope so. I got to imagine that it does no matter what. Um, but that brings us to looking towards 2021 and uh, it's irresponsible speculation time. Um, a lot of this is, you know, it's mostly based off hearsay and rumors and, you know, chance encounters with a player uh, on the street now that they're not in the bubble because the season's over. And so we don't we don't know anything. I want to say up front, none of this is actual reporting. These are all just guesses and ideas and, you know, wishful thinking of stuff that we want to see happen. So as you look at what the team is uh, is going to do, um, who are the players that you really want to see back, Jeff? Well, first of all, before you go to there, there is actually one bit of reporting because there was someone who was announced to go, but we'll get to that at the end. Who do I, so you want to know who I think needs to stay. We need to take that extra effort to make sure that they stay. Yes. Um, whether or not we could get them to stay um, this is not because there's some of these on this list that I think would be um, 
targets, if you will, for bigger clubs. Um, we talked about Marky Hernandez and uh, he, he got a lot of attention. Uh-huh. And um, so I think he's on people's radar, but I think we got a good chance of keeping Marky in this year. Greg Hurst is certainly has to be on a lot of people's list. So if we could get Greg back, especially with missing out on our former captain, which we'll talk about later, that consistency, uh, because he was there, even though it came in part of the way the first year, that that high goal scorer to be with us for yeah. three seasons would be great. I'm not as confident we're going to keep Greg. I'm more confident we would keep Marky. Um, I would love to see Jason Ramos uh, stay. And because... No, he he was he was really solid there, but there was that one moment, that one amazing goal that got him so much attention and press. I am concerned that he's gotten on that that got him on people's attention and radar that maybe uh-huh. he would have flown more under the radar on. Uh Alex Mangles, I absolutely would love to, but he uh kind of like Hurst, I'm not confident. And I have to say, it really has to do with availability though. Um, but Alex, if we get him a third year, I think that would be a coup. Uh, I would love to see that happen. I'm not as he's one of the ones I'm less confident will be able to keep him because of that. Um, I would say Leo Fola has um, one of the most improved players uh, compared to to last year. I think he did well for us last year, but he really mm-hmm. found uh, and his place that you you couldn't move him out. Uh, also, the other one I think really improved a lot uh, from last year was Jose uh, Soto because Josue last year, he came in as uh, either a second striker or a winger at the at the very end, but this time he played more his natural position, and I think the coach played him to his strengths, and that really paid off. Yeah. Um, I would also say a similar thing, um, what we saw with Connor Doyle, I think he really upped his game from it was a very noticeable improvement from last year. And I think that's also has to do with coach knew what to do. And I also not only did he start off well, but Connor was really adaptable because our midfield was was adjusting and changing. And Connor would move into that role as we needed, sometimes up front, sometimes in a more defensive role. So I think he's also one we we should keep and can keep. I would say both of the Panetas, Ami, if Ami had a full season and played what how we think Ami would have played, he would have been very high on someone else's list of a of a bigger club. Yeah. So um but I, you know, there there's no question that Ami was the type or one of the types of players we were thinking of on building this team around. So I can't imagine Ami leaving and Roe and Ricky Ruiz, I think also fitting into those roles. And then also uh, it would be his third year here uh, unless his um, injury is um, strong enough. I think will if coming back for a third year, I think he really likes here in Chattanooga. Uh-huh. He was finding his stride yet again, very dependable, um, but he could be picked up because he has, he's got a lot of quality. So I think that, Oh, and the other, Oh, Ricketts. Yes. Ricketts, he's not allowed to leave. I think uh, <laughs> uh, if he goes, we will follow follow after him and physically bring him back. So I think most of the fans in the stadium would go back and bring him back. But those are my, I think, that, that we need to either keep or 
uh, some might get uh, poached. So you've got a lot of names there. I I think yeah. what's going to happen... I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm selfish. I want them all. Yeah, with a lot of the second-year guys, I'm afraid. Um, I, I think we were kind of a higher payroll team last year with a lot of these guys that were brought in that had experience. Um, and so to me, you talk about players like Walefi and Connor Doyle um, and you know, they're, they're probably most likely, you know, they made the announcement about Stephen Beattie you talked about. Um, and I think Eamon, Eamon's eye is kind of in the same boat of, um, you know, they're, they're all out of contract and I think they're kind of higher price guys. And so I think it's the sort of thing where you can let a couple of them go and it frees up the money that allows you to sign maybe three guys back and add to some of the depth that we felt like was kind of lacking this year as we dealt with lots and lots of injuries. Um, or it allows you to bring in a guy who's maybe a couple years younger and, uh, and able to um, just a little more, you know, reliable as far as injury and things like that. Uh, so I, I feel like a lot of those guys are probably not going to be coming back. And here again, it's not anything that I have against them or, what I think was wrong with performances that they had. I thought they were all very effective players. Uh, they were great in the community. Um, but I just think a lot of those guys, you're probably not going to go. Someone that I would love for them to really make an effort to bring back. Um, you mentioned Ami. I would really love to see Ami and see him get a full year in Jimmy Oblata's system and see what it can do for him. Um and so I would love to see him come back. And another one for me is Josue Soto, who really mm -hmm. stepped into the captain's role for Stephen Beattie, who wasn't able to be on the field in games, um, and brought that quiet leadership and that calming presence, um, really, really seemed to thrive in that number six role uh, throughout the season. And so I think if they could bring him back just to be that veteran leadership piece, uh, I think that would be really, really great. And I would love to see Leo come back. I don't know. You know, I feel like he grew into a great job. He did. He had a, a solid position in the center of defense. Um, I don't know how many heads he might have turned. If, you know, if he is someone that does get that offer to go elsewhere, I'm going to be super pumped and happy for him. Uh, but I think he may be another guy to kind of help have a, a settled center back pairing in the back line. As far as ones that I think are coming back, I think it's very obvious that people like Ro Pineda, Ricky Ruiz, Marky Hernandez um, are going to be guys that will come back and continue to be a part of it. And I think, yeah, I think John O'Ricketts, um, I think our two uh, our two ticket guys need to need to try to kick back a few of their commissions uh, for Jono. <laughs> there's there's no way. Um, I mean. On top of him being the hometown kid and, you know, bringing all the fans and having folks that like him because he's just such an all-around nice guy, he played incredibly well in a position that, you know, he wasn't used to, that he didn't play with Dalton Red Wolves, that he didn't play at Bryan College. So the way that he performed, he definitely has earned that second year. Um, and then... The same thing, uh, you know, I talked about earlier. I'll, I'll do cartwheels if it turns out that Alex Mangles is going to stay in town and continue to to play with the Red Wolves. But for the front office has told me they're very high on Tim Trilk. 
uh, that if, you know, if Alex is going to pursue other opportunities, uh, you know, possibly somewhere like Oakland Roots, which is close to his hometown, uh, that's going into championship, that uh, that they're going to be perfectly happy to move forward and let Tim take over and be the man between the pipes. And uh, a lot of what I've seen, I, th- I think he'll do okay. Yeah, what, what do you think about Wally? Do you think we can keep Wally? <sighs> you know, he already had a major knee injury before he came to the Red Wolves, and now he's had a second. And so, you know, I hate to I hate to be kind of cold about it, but I, I just don't know if him coming back from that injury, it feels like we could trade that for uh, someone a little younger uh, that's not coming off an injury that maybe is going to be able to give us more of a lift. Um, I appreciate everything that he's done and uh, and what he's meant to the team and the community. Uh, so you're not going to see me, you know, getting as upset. Uh, if they bring him back as, you know, Adam might've been, had they brought back Juan Mare, but, but I think it's probably, probably not going to be in the cards for, uh, for Wally to come back for that third year. I've got about five players that I have listed on my either or meaning that I think I'm, I'm on the fence. Like, I think I'd like to keep them, but I could understand why they may want to go. Most of them are on this list because they haven't got enough playing time. I think every one of them is on the list. And uh, Tim was on my list for that because if if we keep Alex, Tim got zero time. So I could understand that. Now, if he's biding his time to become our next full-time keeper, I get that. I would be happy for him to stay, but I would understand if he left. Um, I have uh, Travis who played. And he was fine, but he, I don't think he got enough time on there. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't be shocked if he left. Uh, same yeah. also with Isaiah. I love Isaiah. He's a great guy, good player. Just didn't really get a chance to break into the side. Uh, Nico uh, Pettis, uh, you know, with I had thought he was going to be playing a little bit more, and yeah. he's an- another one, not enough time. The last one, I'm more for keeping rather than either or, but I could see him moving on. There was a guy we got mid-season, uh, Pato, and he showed potential, but he, I'd li- if he stayed, it'd be interesting to see what he would be like with a, a, a full preseason with our guys and to, and, to, and to learn the system. Like when we got Greg Hurst halfway through last year, um, he was, I mean, he, of course, he started off great, but Greg Hurst this year, not only could he finish and, and do his work, but he was able to connect with the rest of our players. Yeah. So Pato, I'd like to see him stay, but I could see him moving on because he didn't really get much chance to play. Yeah, and it seemed kind of a coach's decision that they, you know, they wanted to see what he could do. Uh, they brought him in, and he must not have done enough to earn that nod uh, to get more than just a little bit of a mop-up duty at the end of these games. Um, so if he does come back, I'm excited to see what maybe he could do and could prove. Because um, like you said, I think I saw a little bit of potential, um, but it just wasn't quite there. Uh, with that midseason signing the same way it was with Greg, where you could almost tell from the beginning that he was going to do well, even though it took him, you know, three, maybe four games before he finally broke through and scored that first goal. So uh, he's one that, yeah, I'd be interested in. I think Alexi Jaimez is another one that's in that sort of situation. Uh, He's a great kid. I would love to see him come back, Uh, but he's had the two years here and he hasn't really had a chance to, uh, to get on the field a bunch. Uh, so I don't know. He may have to have to be looking for other opportunities. 
Yeah. I, Alexi's on my list on go just because of, for that very same reason. Now he came in halfway through last season and, um, but he's had a full year to shine and he's had his moments, but there were some times we really needed him to finish. And it, that, that last qu- bit of quality just wasn't there yet. Um, yeah. So he, he's on my list of probably will be cut. I have um, actually the one that I had put one of the first person I put on my to on my to go order, if you will, was one that I almost <laughs> forgot he was on our side. And that's uh, Nicholas Amponsa. And because uh, he was mentioned on he wasn't even listed for most of the year. And right. then he showed up a Again, I'm like, oh, yeah, he's still on the team because of that. I mean, he couldn't get into the squad. I don't know if he was injured. He should have been on the injured list. So I'm not sure because he wasn't even able to get on the radar. I would be surprised if he uh, came back for next year. Um, And I was at the beginning of the season banging the drum for Uche Uzo. And he did get a start this last game. I think he played well. But when I look at the full year, um, he just wasn't able to get into into that side. So he's probably one I'm not sure we're going to see back next year. And my last one, well, my last ones are, um, I, I suspect he's not coming back because he didn't even play at all because he was injured list as Eamon Zaid. And um, for the same reason there, I, I don't know if he's going to retire, uh, maybe do something else. We have heard that uh, Stephen Beattie is leaving. I don't know if it's retirement, if he's going to another league, but he is leaving. The other one we hear, we, we, it looks like he's leaving, uh, is um, Ricardo Zacharias. And I had one of those, he was so close on so many times, but just, it had to be frustrating because it, it was just a few inches here and there he could have been um this could have been a fantastic year and he would have been on uh on the players of the week uh every you know for for half the time but it was just enough that it was frustrating for him i he's the one i think uh have you been hearing anything about ricardo so there was a you know he put out a facebook post thanking chattanooga for being part of the team um this i mean this is going to be kind of like last year the the team the team made a very classy move for Steven, a player who'd been very important uh for them, who'd been the captain for the last couple of years, was one of the first really major signings. You know, they signed him from the Irish Premier League over in Europe to bring him here uh to play with the Red Wolves. But I don't think they're gonna be in the habit of making a ton of um goodbye and good luck announcements for a lot of these guys. Um, we're just going to have to kind of piece together based on uh, who shows up for who they who they announce for the squad this coming winter and uh, and which guys are not part of that and which guys maybe do put kind of a gesture out on Facebook themselves uh, to say, say, thanks for letting us be part of your team. Um, but yeah, so I think I think there's a pretty decent chance that that Ricardo is not going to be coming back. And I think it's it's got a lot to do with what you talked about. Um, he was very close on the verge of having a lot of really awesome performances. Uh, but when it came down to it, he just couldn't quite finish. And as I said last week, when you look back over the season, there were so many games where we just, if we had had 
that finishing goal, if we had had that one touch, uh, you know, we'd be in a much, we'd have been in a much better position. You know, we'd have been finishing in, well, we'd have been actually playing the game on Friday because we'd have been the ones in the final and we had already gone through, <laughs> through our testing <laughs> phase. Um, so, so the, you know, the inability to really finish, he had a couple goals. I think he might've had an assist or two, uh, but not really being able to put away chances consistently. Um, I think they're gonna, they're gonna keep fishing around trying to find that true number nine. That's gonna, gonna help the team. Yeah. I, cause I, there's a few positions I'd like to see strengthened, but that is, I think the key area, if we're able to keep Marky and Hurst and get a true nine in there, that changes everything. All right. Well, we've rambled quite a while. Let's take a break. And when we come back, you and I are talking to head couch, Jimmy Oblada and uh, getting an idea of, uh, of what he felt like the season went through and, uh, and all of that. Uh, so don't go away. Here comes coach Jimmy. All right, we are here with head couch Jimmy Oblada, uh, talking about the just past Chattanooga Red Wolves season. Coach Oblada, we know this is kind of a busy time for you, so thank you so much for making time to join us. Absolutely. Always a pleasure to talk to you guys, and I always have time for you guys. So had a season that, you know, didn't end the way that we wanted with the goal. Um, you know, a couple really important season-ending injuries that happened and yet coming down the stretch, we really still were in it up until uh, close to the final day. Um, what kind of things, when you look back on the year, do you do you think would have helped put us over the top that we were missing? Oof, um, that's a good question. Um, I think, uh, you know, I think, I think the first and foremost is, is just, if we would have been able to stay healthy, you know, I mean, I think it started, it started in our third game when we lost um, perhaps one of the best players in the league and definitely one of the top players in our, in our team, uh, Amir G. Pineda. He went down and everything we kind of set up our season was kind of related to him and going through him and him playing a big role into, um, into the scheme and, and, and everything that we did and, and how we, we played. Um, and then we felt that we, you know, we recovered a bit and we, we gained that momentum. And then, um, our second, probably the, the most difficult, um, was, um, the, uh, the injury of, uh, Ulefi Dos Reis. Um, hmm. he had finally, I think that he had finally, um, he'd taken that, uh, again, previous year he'd been a six. So we were asking him to do something he wasn't very comfortable with or, or he hadn't done in the past since he was a, a youth player. And it took him a couple of games to kind of get get his his feet underneath him and what we were asking him. And he was finally um, really pulling the strings for us in 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 our attack and connecting the midfield with the attacking with the attacking uh, players. Um, and um, him going down really was was the moment that we kind of we went um, shoot. Now we have to figure out a third person to kind of play in that role. And um, you know, if you look at when he went down against Greenville after that was kind of when we finally, or finally, excuse me, went in that little short losing, losing run. Cause we, we just couldn't find that person and we'd gone through five, six games and, and 
you know, and we, it wasn't until I guess the last two games that we start finding ourselves a little bit in, in what we, uh, in what we needed to, um, to be successful. And unfortunately the season ended right when we were finding ourselves again. So uh, you, you talk about these uh, two struggles in particular, these two key players that you build things around had gone down, but I also know whenever there is a uh, obstacle that is an opportunity. So who were the players you felt uh, took that opportunity and was able to up their game uh, to fill in those gaps? Well, I think, you know, again, we started the season with an idea of how we wanted to play and, and, and how we wanted to attack and how we wanted to press and just a, a clear idea that we were get, we we're sending to the players. And, um, and, you know, the, the, when, when the player that you kind of set everything around kind of goes down, then you have this next guy, you kind of say, okay, we, we had to tweak things. I mean, you guys, I think you guys saw it throughout the season. I mean, we, we, we started with a four, three, three, and then we, we had Connor Doyle become almost like a playmaker for us in a in a four four. It was still a four three three. Just Connor Doyle had the freedom to kind of roam um, through the spaces between the lines and and um, and uh, between the midfield and attacking lines, and that's where we we had a lot of success with him. Um, and then when Wally came came down, we had a we had to almost switch our role again um, with with Connor now. So we dropped, had to drop them deeper. So, I mean, if you're asking me which players I thought did very well and, and definitely stepped up, um, you know, I think the, you know, obviously uh, Marky, Marky Hernandez was exceptional for us and considering he missed a few games and, um, you know, when, when he got, when he was called upon, he, uh, he definitely made a, a difference for us. I think his, his biggest asset for us was coming in the second half and going at defenders that were tired or, or, you know, just didn't want to play anymore and, and his ability to just get in behind and take players on 1v1. Um, probably one of the unsung heroes is uh, Ricky Ruiz. I mean, perhaps one of the best left backs in the league um, in, and it helped us in how we wanted to play out and start our attack from the back and, and getting forward. And, and I think in the last game, you saw his versatility and perhaps being one of the best players on the pitch against uh, against Richmond. So, um, those two kind of stand out the most for me in, in kind of taking, taking advantage of, of kind of the, what was thrown at him. And can, again, Ricky Ruiz wasn't brought in to be a left back. And he just kind of, when we started seeing what we needed from our, our backs and outside backs specifically fit, he fit the profile. And then, you know, Marky Hernandez, we knew what he could give and, and he did, he did what, you know, what we, we liked and, and what we wanted from him. Um, other ones, again, you know, Tanner Dietrich, a uh, young man who came in kind of, you know, he, you know, we were talking today, we had a meeting with, uh, with our GM and we were just saying, you know, if, if Connor or if Tanner hadn't come down, it would, it could have been a long season. I mean, that young man, not only is he a class person and individual, he's just a class player and he, you know, he bought into what we were doing and the system and, and again, stepped into uh, what we asked him to do. And I thought he did, he did very well for us. So a couple of follow-ups to that. Um, so Connor was uh, was playing as part of the three, um, but kind of withdrawn. Um, so, so sort of like a nine, but not completely. Would, would you say maybe kind of a false nine? <laughs> yeah, you could say that. He was, uh, he was like a false uh, nine and a half. So even, even <laughs> a, a grade higher. <laughs> right. Wow. Wow. Um, and then uh, talking about Ricky coming in, not signed to be a left back, but really 
um, made that position his own throughout the year, impressed, um, you know, not just us as fans, but people like the League One Fun Show. So how did that conversation go when you decided, here's a spot where I think he's going to be able to make a difference. Uh, he's a player that you have a history with uh, in coaching with Fullerton Rangers. Um, you know, was there a point where he took you aside and was like, man, coach, I'm, I'm really not sure about this. Or was it sort of, you know, he, he trusted you because of that history that you had? You know, it, it was, it, it, it was a little of both. I mean, I'll be honest. He was a little reluctant at first. I mean, the unfortunate part, we didn't have many games to really get ourselves kind of situated on what we were looking for. Even in the, even before the whole COVID hit, we, we won a few games. And we only had really the game against uh, Birmingham uh, prior to our first game to kind of just kind of throw the guys out and see what we look like. And and prior to that, um, you know, I talked to Ricky and I say, hey, man, look, this is, you know, th- you see the ideas that we want to play and how we want to play and what we need from our outside guys. And, you know, um, I, I think this be a good position for you. I think, you know, for, for who you are and what you bring to the, to the game, this could, you know, this could be a position that not only is a position for you to play this year, but you could, you could definitely make a career out of this playing, you know, championship and even MLS. Um, yeah. And he was a little reluctant at first. So I'm not going to lie. He wasn't too happy about it. And that week he wasn't very pleased, but I think once he realized I mean, I think, like I told him, you know, I said, look, I'm never going to do anything to hurt you and hurt your career and, and not look out what's best for you, you know? So I think he understood that at some point and just kind of sinked in. And when he realized, again, that's that's the quality of that young man when he, when he went on the field. He's like, I'm going to play. You can put me a goalkeeper, any position, I'm going to play it. And, and that was, um, you know, that's a testament to him and the type of person that he is that he just – and and a few of the guys that they just want to win. It doesn't matter where you put them in. They're gonna they they want to win and they want to play and they want to contribute. So so Ricky came in and uh, and stepped in that position. And again, I think at moments he was probably one of the best left backs, at least the top three left backs in the league. I would I would um, I would say this this season. Now on the other side of the pitch, uh, we had uh, Jono. And uh, which I, I think that was a position we were expecting him to play. So by having that balance, if you will, because both Jono and Ricky had phenomenal years and they really were standing out. So by having them so balanced, did that help uh, Ricky by having Jono on the other side? Or was there anything about what, what, what uh, Jono was doing that helped you uh decide about Ricky or how was it because you, you had the other side protected so well with Jono? Well, I think Jono set a standard, right? Um, and again, he, we kind of put him in there because we said, look, this is, he's good at certain aspects of the game and, 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 you know, he's good with the ball's feet. He's good at getting in behind. He's good at running at people and, and he's a big boy athletic and, and, you know, so we need somebody there. And what Jono was giving us on the right um, initially um, we weren't getting on the left and we just couldn't find the pieces or the piece that could, could give us that. So to be fair to Jono, he kind of set the standard of what he kind of took what we were asking him and interpreted what we were asking him and, and was doing it well that allowed us to say, okay, we have this position kind of, he understands what we want and he, and he gives us what we want. Now we need to get the other side. So he kind of set, set the standard for, for what we were looking for on uh, to balance it out on the left side. So yeah, that's, that could be said. Hmm. 
as you're looking back over the season, what are a couple moments that stood out in your first season as a pro coach that, you know, that are going to be memories that you'll be talking about when you're, you know, sitting in the retirement home with your grandkids <laughs> looking at their phones, trying not to, not to listen to granddad anymore. <laughs> wow. You know, I think, um, the first, my first professional win, you know, at the CH, at CHSI first, um, home game, um, mm -hmm. You know, the goal that, uh, that her scored and kind of, I remember, uh, celebrating with my son. Um, I get a little choked up when I think about it, you know, like he, um, her scored that goal. And I remember I, I ran over and I turned around my son's like jumping like five rows down all the way to where I was. And, um, we hugged each other and I know it was anti against COVID, uh, COVID rules, but I told uh, <laughs> whoever to fi find me, take it out of my check. You know what I mean? Um, so, uh, so that, I, I think that was, um, you know, that's probably the most memorable one. And then I think, you know, the, just, um, I think seeing the belief and the, the moments that when we went on that run, the people around and just really the excitement that, that the team was, um, was really displaying to everyone and, and, and just the hope and you know, just really that excitement, you know, the, those two games that we the Richmond game and then the the one we beat uh, Omaha and you know during the week I mean there was so many people there you know and and then the Greenville game it's just that that we're 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 doing something significant that people are are starting to enjoy and 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 start taking notice and um yeah you know I mean I, I think those those probably are the two most uh most memorable I mean one is the the first win but obviously seeing what what has become of of the team and uh and and really those those moments that they had, I mean, the team really showed some some moments of true grit and character and personality and coming from behind in a few games and 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 you know again going to Richmond and beating them in the last game. I mean, it's you know it, it, that's the the mentality and that's what we want people to see. So kind of seeing kind of what we're looking for grow into fruition, you know, and and little by little um, get there to our, to our ultimate goal of winning a championship. Now you mentioned. Um... COVID, and that, that is still a thing, obviously. And uh, we had plans uh, for uh, for the stadium, and we were able to get the stadium ready to play, but it wasn't to the level of, of the initial plan. So, um, so two things. What was it like uh, playing on the stadium that was still being worked on? And then two, um, what is it you're looking forward to for next year to, uh, to be added to the, uh, to the stadium? You know, listen, I, I'm I'm a very grateful person, so um I'm grateful for every day. I'm I'm able to get up in the morning and, and, and do what I love. And so I don't think there was anything in the stadium that I could say, Wow, you know, yeah, we could say this it didn't have this and that, but just being able to to play and have be in that environment and just have that. Um, there's a lot of clubs that, you know, don't even have that. You know, they don't even have a decent soccer field to to, to play a game on. So to be able to see it and, and kind of be in it again, I, I can say we didn't have this, this, but to be honest, it's, that's irrelevant to, to what, what it's going to be in another year or even two years. Right. I mean, um, the vision. So again, I'm just grateful that we were able to play there, that we didn't have to play in CCS, that we're able to get at least, um, what was it, 700, 800, 900 fans at games. Um, and that we were able to, to provide, some moments of excitement to to the people that did come because they're the ones that are going to be spreading the word. 
Um, I think next year what we're looking, the excitement is just building out more of the stadium. The, the, I think the executive suites are going to be going up. I think just seeing it just keep growing, you know, um, and, and just see how it starts building more around us and, and kind of filling in around us. So every year as, as, as we go, it, as it goes, the stadium gets a little bit better and, and we're going to become a little bit better as a, as a team also. So also, as you reflect on the season that just happened, your first professional season um, in coaching, what's a, a big lesson that you're taking that's going to help you uh, as you go forward in your career, um, obviously on to uh, to coach Chelsea in the Champions League? Oof. He, he means wolves. He means wolves. <laughs> hey, listen, I, I'll go. I'll be a cone jockey in either of those places. I, I don't care. I mean, they, they call if they call me in, I'm, I'm, I'm there, you know, but, um, you know, I think there's so many little lessons throughout. Um, I think, you know, if there's one in general, just be very observant, um, be very observant of what's going on, not only on the field, around the field, um, around the locker room, within the players. Um, you know, it's, it's, that becomes such an important part of um, it's almost more important than the soccer soccer and, and the training and the sessions and all that it becomes just observing, being very vigilant of things that are going on around you and, and, and dealing with them and, and good ways, bad ways, whatever it is, because I think if, if you're able to, to take note of that um, it allows for, you know, for the team to have success for players to have success and uh, and of course the coach have success. So, just a just a quick you know the end of the season for USL is coming up this Friday uh, with Greenville playing Omaha. How do you see that that game playing out on the uh, in the final game of USL based on the experiences we had against both those teams? You know. Um, Soccer is a funny, a funny sport. You know, um, we talked a lot about it this year. Um, you know, you could be the best, you could be the best team. You could take example us 25 shots on goal and you don't hit one and the other team hits one and they win, you know? So the only stat that really matters is, is the, um, the one that uh, at the end of the day is the one, you know, the, the scoreboard, right? So, you know, I think it's going to be a game where they're both going to kind of feel each other out and they're going to kind of, I mean, Greenville, that's very, you know, very their style. They're going to sit back and try to counter with, uh, with McLean and, and of course, Morrell, my opinion, the, the most valuable player in, in the league and the best player by far, um, this season. Um, and they're just going to kind of wait and, and hope that a counter catches each other, you know, ca- catches the other one off balance and or a set piece so you know I, I i i'll be honest i don't think it's going to be a high scoring game i don't think it's going to be a you know a shootout a 4-3 or 3-2 anything like that i think it's going to be a very tight game very slow place paced game i mean they're playing in greenville and you know it's not like playing at the post postage stamp at uh, omaha um so it's it's going to be you know a little bit more controlled and, and a little more organized so um, I think it's, it, I think it's going to be a, a one, nothing game. I really do. I think, you know, um, I, I again, I don't want to, you know, I, I think Omaha might pull it off. 
I really do. They might they might be able to pull it off just because, you know, Greenville's been on top all year, and it's you know you have one more game to to stay on top. So I hope for John Hart's because he's someone that, you know, I know and I look up to, and and you know he's done a phenomenal job this year. I hope you know, that he he wins it because I think he deserves it. Um, he's a quality guy and just quality coach. Um, but I think just the soccer gods sometimes are are just very very fickle, you know. Yeah, I understand. John Hark's also a fantastic actor. Over the weekend, my family watched uh, watched a, a soccer movie called. Uh, uh, yeah, the, now I can't think of the name of it. They started yeah, calling the it Miracle Match, the game of their lives. That's the that's what yeah, it's called. Yeah, uh, yeah with him as, as one of yeah, kind yeah. of the extra players in the in the background. Yes, sir. That's right. That's you right. Were, that's uh, right. You were, you uh, were, of course, coaching in the LA area. Did you have any chance to get Zachary Ty Bryan onto your club team? Did you did you recruit him at all? When back in the day, you mean? Yeah. No, no, but he, I remember him, but yeah, yeah, yeah. He was the kid from, uh, what's that show? The, um, home improvement. The, yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. Home improvement. Yeah. Yeah. I saw him a couple of times, but you know what, to be on, he was terrible. He was terrible. <laughs> you know, <laughs> he's old enough now. He could probably admit it, but he was terrible. I, I remember seeing him play. And I'm like, Oh my gosh. I go, you got to stick to acting kid. Cause soccer is not your thing. <laughs> <laughs> Well, as you're um, right now, things are moving. Our season's over. Uh, I know you're probably full on looking and examining, getting ready for the the combines. Do you already yes. have some players uh, that you've been paying attention to or that are already on your radar? Absolutely. I mean, uh, our 2021 season um, started yesterday. You know, it started. It started. You know, Monday. I'm sorry, excuse me, started Monday morning. Um, you know, we're, we're planning on having a combine here December, or excuse me, November 14th and 15th. Um, you know, hand selecting the players that, that we're inviting. Um, we've only invited 40, 40 players out to the one in Chattanooga, and we're going to hold another one in, um, in California and um, in Orange County and only inviting 40 there. So we're hoping to, to find some some more Jason Ramos type players, that quality of player at that combine. Um, you know, those young, young, great soccer players that are very hungry and just seeking an opportunity. Um, so, yeah. And then we, you know, obviously we have, we have player or agents that are sending players or we're reaching out to agents that we know that we're, we've had success with other players that they've, uh, they've sent to us, um, you know, having them send us players that particular profile. That's, I mean, that's the biggest thing for us. You know, you can get 3000 players on your desk, but we want a certain type of profile and a certain type of player that to really be able to the privilege of wearing a, a red wolf, uh, red wolves Jersey. So um, we're very meticulous and Kevin, Kevin and myself and, and Sean McMa uh, McDaniel um, very, um, very detailed in, in who we're looking for and, and the type of player we want to bring in for, for the next season. So I think my invitation for the Chattanooga combine must've got lost in the mail. You, you may want to follow up with the front office about that. Um, yeah, I'll make sure. I, I think they faxed it to you. We interrupt this program for an important news announcement.
All right. So that was part one where we uh, we spent about 15 minutes talking with Coach Jimmy about uh, what he saw from the previous year and things like that. And uh, we will be having a part two where we talk to him about what he's looking for in the uh, forthcoming season um, and that it does not have anything at all to do with Alex possibly screwing up the audio. Uh, that was just the way that we planned it. I promise. Now, you started off uh, at the very beginning referencing him as Couch Jimmy. And uh, do you want to illuminate to our audience what that's about? So there was a uh, Red Wolf report that you put up on YouTube. And uh, you had uh, you had your little subtitles underneath. And for uh, Coach Obleda, it said Head Couch. Of course, couch being a recognized word. Uh, I don't think your spell check caught you. And yeah, uh, it's uh, it, it was, was uh, it was late at night. I came back to Alabama. I try to get this out as quick as possible. It was really good content. I was really excited. I was probably needed to take a nap and do it the next day. And those <laughs> videos were some of the highest uh, performing as far as for the most hits that I was getting. And uh, then um, coach. We were at a restaurant, and uh, this is before COVID when you were allowed to do such things. Uh, he had made a reference to it, and uh, and I told him I would fix it right away. And he said, yes, you will. And uh, so I had to, unfortunately, <laughs> with YouTube, I can't ch swap out the video. I have to tear it down and put it back up. So all, And, of course, when I put it back up, it only did a fraction. So now I'm thinking that the majority of those hits that people watched it we're probably watching it because it said couch Jimmy. So yeah. Good, <laughs> Good times. times. Good time. All right. Well, we have yammered for quite a while, so we want to try to make our next segment go fairly quick so that Adam doesn't get mad at us for having too long of a show again. Um, Champions league, uh, English premier league, hot takes. Um, I don't have much from English premier league. But for me, the big things, my takeaways from Champions League is, first of all, you look at Group B, and it seems like the table is inverted with Shakhtar at the top and uh, Inter and um, Real Madrid at the bottom. Pretty wild. And uh, the other one for me is Manchester United rolling, winning their first two games with a plus six goal differential. That's... Uh, pretty impressive and then uh hey uh hey adam as you're editing adam did you see did you see who scored for chelsea did you huh. did you see that did you see who who kicked a ball on goal and had a penalty kick because it went off the guy's arm did you did you see that did you see who that was that was christian pulisic that was christian pulisic america Woo. <laughs> Well, uh, we do got uh, Premier League starts uh, tomorrow, actually. And right. uh, so uh, one tell of us what you're going to be doing for Premier League. Oh, tomorrow. yes. Uh, yeah. Well, there's a thing called a Premier League Fan Zone. And I think here in the States, it's uh, it's played on Peacock, uh, which used to be um, NBC uh, Gold. And it also goes in other markets, too. I had some friends of mine that says that it goes in Australia and it goes to uh, Thailand and these places, but my friends in England don't get it, even though 
I'm going to be talking to some people in England. It's going to go to everywhere not England. So uh, it's going to be me and there's going to be a guy uh, who's a uh, Crystal Palace fan, a supporter. I have no idea what country he's from. And so I'll be able to represent Wolves. And so hopefully I'll I'll sound intelligent. And so obviously, so I've got some skin in the game for uh, Crystal Palace at Wolves. And that's going to be our Friday match. Uh, and then you've got some... I think you, you've got some pretty decent, you've got some expected blowouts. Like I, I really think Man City is going to kill you, you, um, Sheffield. I think Chelsea is going to get by Burnley without a problem. Uh, Liverpool is going to get past West Ham, even though West, West Ham has been coming back. I do think uh, the Villa Southampton is going to be one of the tight ones. Well, there's um, also the, uh, the big game Sunday, which is Tottenham and Brighton. Oh yeah, we don't want to forget that. Uh, I think Everton Newcastle is going to be tight. There's going to yeah. be uh, the Battle of the Reds uh, when you've got uh, <laughs> Arsenal at uh, Old Trafford, so uh, against Man United. So that's going to be truly tough because both of those teams are aren't playing as well as they would like. How's the how's that? That's a way to word that. So it's so yeah, both that's... of them are trying. Both of them are trying to get back in their swing of things. So that's this could be a very interesting match, or it could be really disappointing. And um, I think that's oh, and Le- Leicester Leeds on um, on Monday should also be pr- pretty decent. That that Man United yeah. Arsenal I think is going to be interesting. Uh, both coming off midweek games to see what uh, what they're able yeah. to uh, string together for that match. Uh, we'll have to wait and see, but I think there is a chance that it could be kind of slow start and uh, feeling their way in, and then it just comes down to to who gets that odd uh, kind of counterattack. Um, but I'll still be interested in watching what happens on Sunday afternoon. That's right. Hopefully Adam can interject in here and add in his thoughts on the Arsenal match because he is a gunner. And uh, People don't know that uh, Adam is, is a gunner, and uh, they had a win today. Um, I don't know the final in Europa League uh, against Dundalk of Ireland. And so, yeah, congrats to them for winning that game. Yeah, and that w- that should have been our spot in Europa League. And in my bitter, yes, I am. So that's that's yes. the real reason why you don't hear Adam and I here at the same time. It's because three, no, it's three nothing final score. Yeah, no, it's it's become very, very chilly between the two of you yeah. when, when we go places. Um, we do awkward professionally here. That th- awkward is our superpower. So. Even when the two of you are twelve feet apart, because I'm standing <laughs> yeah. in the middle, I can feel the chill. You can feel the chill. <laughs> all right. <laughs> well, that brings us to the end, and we all know what happens at the end. Ooh! It's time for the Biggles Wade report. Um, so real quick, our uh, our buddies Biggleswade United unbeaten in seven, and they are at the top of the table for the Spartan South Midland League. Wow. So that is automatic promotion. They have played uh, roughly a quarter of their season, ten games out of forty right now for their league, uh, sitting in first place. Uh, they, they do have, there's a team behind them that has a game in hand that I think is only a couple points behind, but still, big deal. 
congrats, Biggleswood United. Keep up the great results. Um, I think we're going to try to reach out to their uh, their commentary crew and uh, and try to get them on and talk some Biggleswood United uh, now that we're in the off season. Uh, Biggleswade FC had a come from behind win over the weekend, uh, but unfortunately lost on Saturday. And uh, Biggleswade Town also they had their uh, their Saturday game. No, they played Saturday and uh, unfortunately were not able to come up with the victory uh, against the dreaded Mercians of Tamworth. And then they had Tuesdays canceled uh, with, uh, with coronavirus testing that they had to do some extra, extra work to make sure everyone was safe. Uh, but they will be uh, playing Saturday in the FA Trophy. The FA Trophy is, uh, is a cup for all of the non-league teams. So this is people from, uh, from English League One not in English League One, everything below that, all of the folks that are not part of that English football league, that's the first four divisions. They play this uh, FA Trophy. They'll be taking on Haybridge Swifts at, uh, at home. And, uh, and if you check out the uh, pregame uh, program, the match program that they're going to be putting out, there, uh, there may be a little something written by Soccer Chat in there. So keep your eyes posted for the Biggleswade Town match program for this Saturday. Uh, also, a really cool thing since you know trick or treating's kind of thrown out the window. Uh, Biggleswade Town's telling folks to come with their kids, have them in costume, and uh, they're going to be giving prizes to the kids on their Halloween costumes since they're not going to be able to to do trick or treating like they normally do. I thought that was really cool. That is pretty cool. Oh, by the way, I did some research on Biggleswade. They also were in the ancient kingdom of Mercia, but not the capital. Just saying. Ah, okay. One of those outlying I, villages. I contributed. I contributed. So. There you go. Um, if I tried to tell you that Biggleswade had a player named Uhtred, son of Uhtred, would you believe me? No, you have burned. <laughs> yeah, trust is now an issue between us. So. <laughs> fool me, fool you, fool you once. Shame on you. Fool you twice. Face. Fade is the next um, so Also, outside of Biggles Wade, our Biggles Wade report friends that were uh, that were adding on ha- uh, Hamilton Forge FC uh, last week went down to ten men in uh, in El Salvador and excellent finish. Um, Anthony, I can't think of his last name now, but an excellent finish by Forge on a cross with ten men put them ahead. They won the game two to one. The, uh, the only game to have won in regular time for that round of the CONCACAF League. So congrats to Forge. They'll be moving on to play Toro FC of Panama. Shout out Eddie Van Halen. And, uh, and that game will be at 8 p.m. on Wednesday the 11th on FS2. So if you get FS2, you can tune in and watch Forge in those delightful uh, Tim Hortons kits take on a team from Panama. And then uh, my final one I want to bring up, it's it's a new team here. Uh, we're going to turn the Biggleswade report into like half the show where I just uh, I just stump for, for free kits from people around the world. Um, but if you guys have noticed the Soccer Chat Crest, uh, it has kind of an inspiration from a team in London that is known as Leighton Orient. 
Leighton Orient play at uh, Brisbane Road in London. They are a 30-minute uh, a drive from, uh, from the Emirates Stadium. Not the Emirates. What am I thinking? Is the Emirates where Arsenal plays? Yes, the Emirates is where Arsenal plays. Okay. So they're about 30 minutes from a uh, 30 minute drive from the Emirates. They're like a 20 minute walk from the London stadium where uh, West Ham plays. They're kind of sandwiched between the two of them. Um, they had an awesome clip that they showed a couple weeks ago of their game. They put together 12 passes in order to score a goal. Ended up being the one nothing win in that game. So just to give you the background, Leighton Orient's been my team for a long time. Uh, in 2000, 2001, in college, I started looking at some of the lower division English soccer clubs and decided I was going to kind of pick one and follow them and uh, settled on Leighton Orient, partly because they were a team at the bottom of the table and I thought it might be fun to watch them rise all the way to the top. It might also be fun. I just thought it was kind of a fun name, Leighton Orient. Uh, but their their crest has got a like two kind of dragon looking things on either side of a football. So Wervins. that was the in They're what now? They're Wervins. Wervins. There you go. Yeah. Uh, so played D&D with you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> so we replaced the Wervins with microphones and brought you the uh, the soccer chat crest. Um, and their yeah. field is Brisbane Road. Brisbane Road. Love playing there. Um, I pick them all the time when I'm in FIFA and get them to uh, the Premier League and win the championship and champions league and all of that fun stuff. I had my, uh, my invincible season over the summer that I referenced on soccer chat. Uh, so when I started following them, they were at the bottom of league two, which was actually called division three at the time. And they got themselves promoted in 2006 and they were able to stick around in league one for quite a few years. They got all the way to the promotion final of league one in 2014 almost made it into championship but lost to rotherham uh jeff do you know who was first place in in league one that year what was the year you said 14 2013 14 uh that would have been wolverhampton wanderers had won and that was kenny jacket bringing us back from the dead there you go so we had a 1-1 draw at the Molinau, and uh, you guys had a 3-1 victory against us at Brisbane Road, just in case you were curious. Um, <laughs> from that, we, uh, we ended up twice in three years getting relegated to the point that they were actually out of League 2 for a year, and uh, just this last season got themselves back in. So uh, Leighton Orient, like I said, anytime that I get FIFA, I actually bought FIFA 20, over FIFA 19 just because I wanted to have a version of the game with Leighton Orient in it. Uh, so, always been a fan. Reach out to us. Anything we can do to help promote your team. And uh, and uh, you're playing Bolton Wanderers this Saturday. Good luck to you. And mm. that's all I have for the Biggles Wade Report that's gone on probably too long. Yeah, I actually watched that match, um, not live, but it was uh, some people had it after the fact on YouTube because at that time it was really difficult to watch uh, Wolves, uh, especially when they're in League One. So, so I remember, get, I remember them. they were going to get to play in a League Cup match on uh, you know, ESPN Plus against Tottenham, 
and then Tottenham spent a little bit of money to let them take COVID tests and they got a bunch of positives and the match got abandoned. And uh, so I, I feel like there were shenanigans by Jose Mourinho in that. And uh, I'm not a fan. <laughs> uh, I have no defense for Jose. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we are, um, you know, going to try to continue doing the show, try to bring you whatever news we can about player signings and things like that. Uh, they might be a little shorter as we just get together to to talk a little bit of English Premier League and Champions League and stuff. And uh, we're not going to be afraid to take a week off during the holidays while we're in the off season. Uh, but we really, really appreciate all of you listening and interacting with us and coming up to us at games and, and talking about what you've listened to and, and questions you have. Uh, so please continue to do that. This has been so much fun to get to do and uh, and promote this team and this city and talk about the games that are going on. So I just want to say thank you guys for another great season. All right. Well, we will catch you folks on the flip side, as they say. Bye. Bye. Because uh, one of the things they're going to be beefing up is some of the food options, Alex. And so if you want to have a say in that, you get a chance to have your, your vote heard for next year's menu items. Fried stuff with cheese. That's my say. You know, that almost made our crest. It just was just. <laughs> <laughs> that's our motto. If we can translate fried stuff with cheese into Latin, we'll put that around the outside. Um, but also remember the four soccer chat food groups, smoked meats, cheese dip. Mm -hmm. Donuts and Donuts. beer. So as long as the four soccer chat food groups are in the kitchen there at CHI, I'll be happy. I don't think I've really seen donuts too much. That's a thing we need to work on for this year. For sure. Yes. <laughs>